0: Today, our topic is collaborative care. First of all, let's think about a few questions. Why collaborate? Who would collaborate? And when, where, how? Why collaborate in caregiving? In any situation, in any job, if everyone is working along the same lines and singing from the same song sheet the outcome will be probably much more effective. Who will collaborate in providing best care possible for the vulnerable individual? An individual may have been born with or may develop a serious and difficult condition, perhaps due to illness or infection, or possibly due to an accident. A condition which may be serious, may be long-term, may cause symptoms, physical or emotional or perhaps even a mix of both, all of which can cause great difficulties for the individual and for the people closest to them. An illness or condition, which may or may not be life-threatening or life-changing even, which may be physical, may affect mental health and well-being, or perhaps even a mix of both physical and mental health factors. Where is collaboration needed? At home? In hospital or clinic? Or perhaps at work? Or as a pupil or student? Perhaps in social activities? But first, let's think about why collaboration is important. Whatever the illness or condition, when that condition or illness is recognized and diagnosis is given, perhaps by a GP, a nurse or other medical, or for young people, perhaps by a teacher, a social worker. Whatever the condition, it is important that the people most in contact with the vulnerable person know what best to do, and equally important, what not to do. Who are home caregivers or carers? When someone's behaviour, manner or appearance changes, the first to notice are usually the people who live with the vulnerable individual and or spend much time with them. Partners, close family members, perhaps, or flatmates, work colleagues, classmates, close friends or neighbours and other social contacts. All these contacts, close or more casual, may not understand the reasons for the change they've noticed, but feel concern for the individual at the centre. Appropriate information is important, but what is appropriate information? And who needs the information? The professionals who are involved, anyone who shares accommodation with the person who is having major health problems, close and concerned friends, frequent personal contacts, social acquaintances, work colleagues. And why collaborate? First of all, a bit of background. When a professional is approached with concerns about an individual, who may or may not recognise or even accept that anything is wrong, not everyone may see the same problems or recognise the same factors. This may apply to family and other caregivers, to medical staff and to the person at the centre. Observations of everyone involved may differ due to all sorts of factors, for instance, tiredness or exhaustion, personal stress, Sleep problems, time of day, time of year, for instance, again, light factors, the winter blues or summer sunshine, personal beliefs about the individual at the centre. There's quite a list. Then a diagnosis is made and treatment may be started in line with specific factors. Medical beliefs, perhaps, and accepted treatments of the time. Treatments in earlier times were often very different from today. For instance, in recent times it has started to be recognised that if everyone is singing from the same song sheet, in other words, everyone has the relevant information necessary to inform their caregiving, and has the same understanding of the situation. Until quite recently, many home givers were often faced with trying to offer 24 hour support at home with little or no information at all given about the illness or condition of their loved one. And again, as I outlined in podcast two, little or no idea of how best to offer support in situations they've never seen before which is a situation I found myself in when my daughter developed anorexia nervosa, an eating disorder with both physical and emotional aspects, and quickly began to experience the explosive temper tantrums over trivia, for instance being given a cup of coffee in the wrong mug, although all the mugs were the same, but different colours. The right mug seemed to change from day to day, Thankfully, Jay is now well, living independently and working full time. It could so easily have been otherwise. I've met several parents now whose loved ones actually died, unfortunately. Gradually, over recent years, it has been recognised that without relevant information about the condition and without information especially about how best to offer appropriate uh, support, Family and other caregivers are severely handicapped in their caregiving. It has also been realized that home caregivers are not asking for confidential information about their loved one. What they need is information about the condition their loved one has developed and how best to deal with the changed behavior. Many charities offer leaflets about this. For instance, when Jay was so ill, I eventually discovered Eating Disorder Association but at the beginning I was seriously handicapped in my search by not knowing the phrase an eating disorder and at the time I had no access to the internet. When at last a friend told me about EDA, now Beat UK, I began to find support when I contacted their helpline and found others with personal experience which led to finding a carer support group within travelling distance. As in all human life, individuals will have very different personal approaches to caregiving, depending on their character. And within a family, each individual may react differently to the changed behaviour of their loved one. Perhaps one may react with a kangaroo approach, in other words, wanted to shelter and protect in every possible way by keeping very close and holding on to the vulnerable person. Another may react as a jellyfish, worrying all the time about doing the wrong thing and possibly triggering an even more difficult situation. And then there's Ostrich, who sticks his or her head in the sand and tries to ignore everything going on around. And Rhino, who charges in, confident that he or she can sort everything out. However, people who need special care and support, who are also individuals and each very different, are usually best helped by a dolphin approach, swimming alongside reassuring of his or her care and support and offering to help in any possible way, and where necessary, offering a nudge in the right direction. I'll give you just one story of collaborative care today in very tough times, a story which was given to me by Wendy, Gavin's mum. Gavin is a very intelligent man who sustained and survived a severe brain injury, or ABI. After hospital treatment, Gavin returned home and later decided that he was an adult and he wanted to have his own place and live independently. After an acquired brain injury, ABI, the person sometimes remains in the life stage they were at at the time of the injury. In Gavin's case, this was just after his 20th birthday. He lived at home and therefore he had no need to think about diet, shopping, cleaning, cooking or other such practical issues. So now he needs extra help to think about these things and to be reminded that they need to be seen to, and why. We have all learned to behave in a socially acceptable way and to use socially acceptable language, but a brain injury can strip away all this socially learned behaviour and language. For instance, the need to close the bathroom door when using it. It can also lead to inappropriate behaviour, for instance, swearing or touching someone inappropriately. A brain injury can leave someone unable to be flexible in their thinking. If they want to do something or have something done, in their mind there is only one way it should be done. If the person wants something done in a particular way, they feel it should be followed to the letter. And the fact that an able-bodied helper may not know or understand what is entailed is not accounted for or understood Gavin is particularly inflexible about time. If a care shift is due to start at nine o'clock, he expects the caregivers to be in by nine o'clock, not ten minutes later. It's up to us to take notice of these impairments, Wendy says, and to discuss and negotiate and explain. For instance, Gavin may not understand that the sun is shining, but it is still December and although it is warm in the house, it is cold outside, and coats must be worn. This is particularly important for Gavin. When his right side gets colder, he experiences more pain. Wendy also wrote notes for the employed carers who came into Gavin's home to help him with the practical home tasks in his daily life. She wrote, he is paralysed down his right side, he is always in pain on this side of his body, especially in his hand and arm. This is made worse by being cold. He is epileptic and dysphasic. He knows what he wants to say, but cannot always find the words. His memory is poor. One of his coping mechanisms is to call everyone by the same name or to add some sort of mnemonic as a reminder. For instance, Wendy Bendy is also mildly dyspraxic. He knows what he wants to do, but the signals from his brain aren't relayed effectively. This is why he has difficulty in writing and can be quite clumsy. He's also got acquired dyslexia, is partially sighted, and he has no vision on his right side. On his left side, his field of vision is limited. Some hearing loss on his right side too, therefore he prefers people to be on his left. He has difficulty at times in coping with loud noises. This includes people talking too loudly or trying to follow conversations when there are several contributors, such as a group at a review meeting. Speak to him face to face. Do not call out from another room. Gavin needs time to think about things and to respond to situations. Give him plenty of time to think about practical issues and activities. For instance, having a shower, keeping appointments, shopping, mealtimes, plan these with him. Staff should withdraw unless invited to stay when he has visitors. Gavin's disabilities can lead to people treating him like a child or with undue familiarity. This is behaviour he recognises, even if he cannot find the language to correct it. So he must be treated with respect, and his rights and individualities recognised. Be sensitive to and aware that you are in Gavin's home. Do not chevy or hassle him. If the situation is getting out of hand, or getting out of control, if Gavin tells you to, just leave. Much more on Wendy and Gavin's story in my book Surviving Family Caregiving. I think it's worth reading about other people's experiences as well as knowing about your own and perhaps meeting with other caregivers. In my non-fiction books I quote from many interviews with home caregivers I've met and talked to. Each situation and each story tells of difficult times and each is very different from my own caregiving experience and I'm sure yours too.